Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andre Gazzetta! Yay! Uh, we got a great episode for you guys. It is fucking dark. It is so dark. It is pretty dark. But it's a good one. Starts out with some lessons, some funny, and then like basically a horror show. You uh, It's like Halloween came early. Yeah. Um, All but- over our faces, necks, and chests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our, no. Our necks, our backs, our pussies, and our cracks. Uh, but before we start this episode, we've got some more five-star reviews. <laughs> so this first one comes to us from KP9388. I feel like I just, like, activated a fake or a, a <laughs> sleeper cell. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, is this, like, a Manchurian candidate listening yeah. to this? Or, like, a robot of some sort? Which one of these has a street sign in it? <laughs> They say, uh, hey guys, I love your podcast. I thought I was the only one who was interested in cults until I found you guys. The reason I am so interested is because while I was not technically in a cult, I know what it's like to be abused by churches and biblical legalism. I'd love you to do an episode on Bill Gothard and the homeschool cult. Oh, we kind of did. I can give you some resources. Keep podcasting. I look forward to you guys every week. Signed, KP. KP, if you're listening to this, we did a Quiverful episode that talked about Bill Gothard at length. Yes, it's a very good episode. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for your five-star review. This next one comes to us from LPC from WV. And the title of it is, I'm like a gator lawyer. And, and the way I'm writing <laughs> you. Over here. Wait, can you say it again so I actually yeah. hear the end of the sentence? I'm like a gator lawyer in the ways I'm writing a review. And then in parentheses, me and you. <laughs> now I'm just a simple gator lawyer, but Cult Podcast is the only cult comedy podcast for me. Whether it's Armando's Charles Manson impression, Andrea's oh my goodness Midwestern mom voice, or Paige's <laughs> deep, deep love of Fallout Boy, same girl, same. <laughs> Cult always makes my Monday mornings a little brighter. The riffs are hilarious, and the show is so informative. So instead of spending money to send a dildo to the Bundys, spend your time listening to this amazing show. Perfect. Me. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, everyone, before we start the show, we had a quick announcement. We've got a lot of people asking us for both merchandise and about a Patreon. We've got some really good news. We're doing both. Yes, both of those things will be starting up soon. We're just taking care of a little bit of like uh, making sure that we're all up to date on the legal shit, and <laughs> yeah. also getting everything um, designed because we don't just want to slap a logo on something. We're we want it you... to be cool. Yeah, we're making cool shit. It's the coolest, dopest shit. Me and Andrea are working on the art. Paige is working on a bunch of the writing and designing stuff. It's fucking dope as hell it's I'm so cool super excited so yeah keep uh keep your eyes peeled for that we'll let you know on the podcast but if you want to know more uh day to day you can follow us on the facebook group yeah the facebook group is where we'll have kind of some of the most up-to-date news and stuff um and also we're in that group every day so if you're like these people seem cool i wonder what they think about cheese join the facebook group we have so many opinions about cheese so many but without any further ado Please enjoy the show. Hello. Hello. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purpose.
purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning in to Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! And it's Armando's week! Yeah! Hey everybody, <laughs> I'm back from San Diego. We're here to give you a good time. Uh, We're here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) Paige has been doing Mickey Mouse voice for the last several minutes. Yes. Mickey Mouse kink voice would be even more terrifying. She read uh, the The Samuel L. Jackson from uh, Pulp Fiction. 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 I almost called it cult fiction. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. This is great. I kept the watch in my ass. (laughs) All right. Well... Today, we're covering a cult that I heard of in passing and thought, hey, that sounds pretty crazy. But it turns out, after reading it a whole bunch, it's actually way fucking crazier than I could have possibly imagined. Yay! Yeah. Today, we're heading south of the border to cover the scariest and most disgusting thing to come out of Mexico since lollipops with scorpions in the middle. (laughs) I mean, this one truly, this one has it all. It's got clever con men, a short as hell history lesson, and one of the few documented cases of a sexually driven female serial killer. Oh. Yeah. I, caramba. (laughs) Today, we're covering one of the most brutal and horrifying cults I've ever read about in the history of this podcast. I cannot warn you guys enough. The end of this episode is going to sound like a fucking horror movie. And that's saying something because you did Happy Science. Yeah. This shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-S. Bananas. That's nice. <laughs> nope. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This shit is Bananas, guys. <laughs> Eric Banna. He was in a movie about it. He was pretty good. He's pretty underrated if you ask me. His Hulk wasn't that bad. <laughs> Hulk mush. Bananas. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. Today, we're covering the cult of Magdalena Solis and their leader, the High Priestess of Blood. Holy shit. That is the coolest fucking name for a cult leader I have ever heard. It sounds like an Italian horror film, like Giallo horror. Like I picture... Giallo horror? Giallo. G-I-A-L-L-O. Giallo. I picture like like the cover of the movie would just be like a devil and then just like a naked lady with some blood spurts. Jello whore is when you're like, I want something sweet, and your mom's like, We got jello cups, and you're like, No, that's not dessert! I don't like jello cups. <laughs> like, I don't like the like 1950s main age jello shit. But I don't, like, I don't know. know what it is about white people, but they serve jello for dessert with a dollop of whipped cream, and they're yeah, like, This good. is dessert. And I'm like, That's not dessert. You don't know what dessert is. In my house, jello was too sweet for us to eat, so. Oh my god. This is why you believed in centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted Lucky Charms. <laughs> you guys weren't allowed to have Lucky Charms? They weren't no. allowed to have any kind of sugar at See, all. See, my parents we were like, cereal you can't watch bad. anyone fuck, but have as many Fruit Loops as you want. 
That sounds better than fucking, to be honest. Yeah. I stole, when I was growing up, I stole both pornography and candy from my stepfather. (laughs) Were they just all in one sin drawer? Oh, that'd be so much better. There's a lollipop stuck to this page. (laughs) It's a lollipop with porn in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) He's like licked to the center of a titty. Okay, your we have a cult station. to talk about. There's just the there's Sorry. just a red sticky puddle and a stick. Oh no, the scorpion got away. Get it. Get oh, it. Oh, God. All right. So before we go into this cult, I gotta cover some uh, sources. So for today's episode, my sources were Mexicans in Revolution by William Beasley and Colin M. McLaughlin. I believe you mean Mexicans and Revolution. <laughs> That's what it, yeah, a lot of the books about Mexican stuff is just called Mexicans and then the thing it is. Yeah. The next one is Mexican Crime Photographs by Steven Ruiz. Uh, And then we have the Mammoth Book of More Bizarre Crimes, which sounds like a kid's book for murder. It's like the big book of British smiles? What the fuck? No, that's Mexican Crime Photographs. They come for the cheap dentistry, and they leave with drugs in their butt. Okay. Robin O'Dell and Paul Donnelly wrote the Mammoth Book of More Bizarre Crimes. And then we have the article, Feeding the Gods, by Lizzie Wade. All right. So before we start with the cult, I got to give you guys some background uh, with one of my kind of new favorite uh, segments. It's called Literally the Shortest History Lesson Possible. Today we're learning about Mexico! Yay! Yay! Yeah, so the shortest history lesson possible is it's bad. Don't go there. I don't like it. I hate going there. Every time I go there, it's too fucking hot. Uh, everything sucks. The best candy they have has bugs in it or it's just salt. That's all that it is. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's the whole episode. Thanks anyway, guys, for coming out. Uh, <laughs> Open Skies Trading Company, all that shit. Just, all right. Thank you, Armando Torres. <laughs> My favorite part about Mexico is that you can just drive over from vacation, but driving back is a five-hour process. Yes, it's a whole day. They let you go in with no problem. They're like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. We don't care. Back then, when my lungs were really bad, we had contemplated driving across to get inhalers because they were like a hundred bucks here, but they were six dollars in Mexico. The only reason to go to Mexico is for cheap healthcare and Viagra, which also is technically healthcare a little bit. Healthcare for your boner. Why do you need Viagra? I don't need Viagra. What are you talking about? I I didn't bring it up. I don't need Viagra. I don't need it. Those those are my vitamins. (laughs) To be fair, sometimes the harvest needs help. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, Viagra is what was inside of those inhalers that I bought. That oh, God. I, I breathe it in. I can't breathe for shit, but I am hard as a rock. I got so Weaponized many... Weaponized Viagra. I, I have so many boners in my lung. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So during the 20th century, Mexico underwent a huge amount of economic, industrial, and political change. And arguably, some of the biggest changes came from the decade-long Mexican Revolution. I don't know why I said it like that. Revolution. Yeah. Why are you so French? (laughs) Before the revolution, Mexico was ruled by Porfirio Diaz, a former general in the Franco-Mexican War. Uh, That's where the Franco-Mexican War is where uh, Napoleon's nephew, I want to say, was like, I'm going to channel the spirit of my uncle and take over a bunch of shit. And Mexico had a bunch of debt to France that they couldn't pay back. And uh, America was in a civil war, so they were like, well, America's not going to jump in. We're going to go get them. And then uh, Franco-Mexican War. Obviously, Mexicans won. And that's where we get Cinco de Mayo from. Fun fact. Oh, 
Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, so this yeah. comes out one day after Cinco de Mayo, Hell which yeah, is the dude. only thing that makes this yeah. relevant. Yeah. And now I can say that it totally wasn't a coincidence. I planned it. It was for Cinco de Mayo, guys. Yeah, just like we did for like Manson and April Fool's. We planned shit. Yeah, we... Yeah. We planned shit. Yeah, we plan it. It's totally not just Paige planning everything and then me falling, <laughs> stumbling into it idiotically. Uh, so Diaz, who was a general during the Franco-Mexican War, controlled Mexico directly or for one term indirectly for 35 years. Damn. Yeah. His reign over the country was characterized by economic growth, modernization of the country, and growth of major cities. And while most of these sound good on paper, they came at a heavy cost for anyone who didn't fuck with Diaz. He was one of the most corrupt people to ever live in Mexico, and that is a statement. <laughs> The expansion of Mexico's economy pushed up the country's elite, uh, but it pushed down the non-political landowners into a new middle class. So basically, if you used to be rich, but you weren't his friend, you were now poor, mm. almost, which is an, an insane thought to have. But even worse than them, uh, it completely fucked over the working and peasant class who were pushed down into a lower class and the new lower-than-low class. The growth of cities and industry were achieved by taking communal land from indigenous and rural Mexicans and calling it unused land. Oh, great. I wonder where they got that idea. And then building large modern cities and haciendas over it. And haciendas, by the way, are basically uh, Mexican plantations. Mm, Cool, But they don't have the American characterization of having slaves. Because, as we covered before in a previous episode, slavery in Mexico was abolished in 1829 by Vicente Guerrero, who was Mexico's first black president. Hell yeah, dude. So for all the shit we just talked, much more progressive. (laughs) Yeah, and also we're going to get into it a little bit later. Mexico, hella progressive in certain ways. So... Basically, when everything popped off was in 1908. Diaz gave an interview, and he offhandedly mentioned that he wouldn't be running for re-election in 1910. To Diaz, the re-election was kind of of, uh, a formality. He had reigned for like 30-something years, and I think what he was trying to say was like, yeah, I don't need to run for re-election. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But basically... Everyone else thought that the man who had run Mexico for 30-something years was finally done running Mexico, and it inadvertently sparked an explosion of political activity, and many powerful men just declared their candidacy (laughs) because he made a bad joke. Now that Diaz had actual competition, he went into corruption overdrive to protect his regime. A general who had announced that he would be running in 1910 was coincidentally sent out of the country by Diaz, which meant that that general was disqualified for running for president. Hmm. 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 Another candidate, Francisco Madero, was sent to prison. Just straight up sent to prison. Just like, <laughs> oh no, my God. no, like, if, ands, or buts about it. And just for good measure, Diaz skipped the election altogether and just declared himself the winner. 
which is the political equivalent of taking the ball and going home. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. But Mexico was done with Diaz and his childish antics. And from prison, Francisco Madero published the Plan de San Luis Potosi, which called for the overthrow of Diaz and the start of a real democracy. And he wasn't alone. In Oaxaca, Ricardo Mahon called for the removal of Diaz and the start of an eight-hour workday, minimum wage, and the guarantee of having Sundays off in his manifesto, De Le Partido Libro Mexicano, which uh, translates to the manifest of everybody's working for the weekend. <laughs> Good for you, Mexico. Also, yeah, a fun fuck fact, yeah, uh, that, 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 that last manifest, it also called for the end of child labor, full equality for women, and the restoration of those communal lands. Oh my God, should but, we yeah. move to Mexico? Kind of. Not in the nineteen right in the 1910s, they were like, hey, women are people. They should be able to have uh, own land and have the right to vote and, and be normal, civilized people with the rest of us. And other famous revolutionaries joined in too, like Emiliano Zapata, who called for the coexistence between modern Mexico and the old ways of the past. And... Pancho Villa, who didn't publish anything, but he did attack and seize haciendas, gain him a huge amount of followers, become governor of Chihuahua, and then eventually invade the United States. Yeah! Which sounds like a fucking... I want to do an episode on him, even though he wasn't technically a cult leader. He's just crazy cool. Yo quiero power. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's the president of Chihuahua. Uh, I think he called his plan the Freedom Supreme. (laughs) That's <laughs> it's freedom, but with like sour cream and yeah, some tomatoes. Yeah. And it has a, a Doritos Locos shell. Oh, of, uh, yummy. Yeah. Actually, the Constitution is written on a sauce pack. Oh, freedom That's costs $3.15 <laughs> unless you get the combo. And it comes with the Baja California Blast. Oh, that stuff is so gross. In 1911, Diaz was dethroned and exiled to Spain. Fun fact, he died in France, the uh, country that he fought and gained huge celebrity over. Madero, the man that Diaz sent to prison for running for president, became president. Oh, nice. But he was killed in 1913 by a military dictator who was in turn forced out of power in 1914. And then there's kind of like a whole blah, 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 blah. Most of the people that I mentioned uh, and most of the people that, that were huge figures in the revolution either became president, were killed... Or became president and then got killed. Yo quiero blood. (laughs) It took a while. I think that's just called fire sauce. Um, (laughs) It took a while for Mexico's government to gain its bearings, but eventually it became a democratic government, much like its neighbor to the north. Winterfell? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The north! In 1929, the PRI became the leading political party in the country, promising a distribution of wealth and to never fall into the corruption that caused the Mexican Revolution. So immediately, the PRA became arguably more corrupt than the regime it replaced. Of course. That is the Always. that is pretty much the history of most countries, is that they that is what happens for a really long time. They're corrupt. We're corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, re- the revolutionaries became the oppressors, continuing and deepening the paradox of crime that is almost synonymous with the country of Mexico to this day. People like Pancho Villa were rebranded as a criminal after the revolution to dissuade people from fighting the PRI. So the same person that helped them rise to power, they were like, yeah, but kill all those people and you shouldn't have done that. Also, the guy that killed Pancho Villa uh, later became a president for the PRI. And so people like Pancho Villa 
became inspirations for people like Jose Rodriguez Torres, who was a pickpocket that was most famous for pickpocketing the president of Mexico and stealing his wallet. Hell yeah. And being your great, 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 great grandfather. No good pig stealing grandfather. <laughs> that's a that's a shout out to the movie Holes, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. I love that movie. He, in turn, became an inspiration for countless other petty criminals. Because for the lower class, these nonviolent criminals who stole from the rich became heroes. And the bigger the score, the bigger your legend. And from bandidos to mobsters to the almost cult-like worship of modern-day cartel leaders, the disillusioned Mexican population worshipped these outlaw icons. Oh, like Zorro. Yeah. They're like why, is it, why hasn't anybody remade Zorro? Because it was good the first time. I mean, that's true. Oh, wait. No, they did in like the 90s with Antonio Banderas, didn't they? That's yeah. the one I liked. I'm that's sorry. That's the one I thought you were talking about. Me too. Okay. Were there well, earlier ones? Oh, yeah. A lot of them. There were probably a they lot of They were filmed on ones. Spawn Ranch. Yeah, but Antonio Banderas is just so... Mm. Do you need a minute? Yeah. With your Viagra? Oof. <laughs> 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 You gotta hold it in. (laughs) So two young men who grew up worshipping these outlaws were Santos and Cayetano Hernandez. These two brothers traveled across Mexico hustling and scamming people in small towns until the population was either out of money or chasing them off into the sunset. And then they'd head to a big city, spend their money, and the cycle would repeat. But sometimes it wasn't their grifting that got them thrown out of town. Because the Hernandez brothers both had a knack for seduction. Oh. You know what? I'm talking about that. I'm talking about that. (laughs) (sighs) Nothing sexier than an inhaler. (laughs) That's what my mom told me. To make me feel better. Is this why you vape so much? <laughs> a vape is the coolest inhaler. I just when I was really, really bad and using my inhaler a lot, my sister would just be like, We get it, you vape. And I was just like, Thank you, I'm dying. <laughs> so Santos Hernandez was a ladies man. Ooh. Handsome, smooth talking, and always carrying a freshly stolen pouch of pesos. But Cayetano was in both meanings of the term. A real man's man. Hello! (laughs) Yes! So here's an interesting side note. The indigenous people of Mexico had no problem with the LGBT community. And there is, going back to before Mexico was even a thing, a lot of sources that like show you how accepting they were. Most notable were the Mayans, who are traditionally referred to as an openly bisexual society. Some modern historians even found evidence that same-sex relationships were more common and accepted in Aztec society than in some parts of current-day America. Is this why they love Morrissey so much? (laughs) That's probably because they like sad. Uh, (laughs) And the most interesting part to me was early reference and acceptance of trans and non-binary people. Hmm. The Zapotecs recognize a traditional third gender known as Mushes. Uh, they have the characteristics from both traditional male and female roles, but aren't devalued or discriminated against, and many societies currently still accept and praise this third gender role, including a lot of Mexico. Interesting. Yeah, they they see it as like, you're not 
female, you're not male. Sometimes you're born a male and then transition or vice versa. And sometimes you're born immediately knowing that you're neither of the two. But however you get there, that's who you are. That's pretty common in Native American cultures as well. Yeah. yeah. Catholics really fucked all that shit up. Yeah. For a long time, people thought that it was uh, 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 homophobia in Mexico sprang from the Aztecs. But it, uh, a lot of people are now saying that that's just record changing from the Spanish who had a really tough time stomping out homosexuality in Mexico <laughs> because Mexico's pretty down to clown. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if that's... I mean, unless it's drag, I don't think we can call it clown. Uh, I just call any... Family. Familia. Familia. I call all sex clowning. <laughs> right. We get the nose. We honk it. But acceptance aside, fucking someone's husband or wife will get you run out of town in a fucking heartbeat. Oh, yeah. For sure. Accurate. Yeah. Accurate. And through the late 50s and early 60s, the Hernandez brothers had been run out of several dozen small towns in northern Mexico. By the end of 1962, Santos and Cayetano found themselves spending the last of their loot in the major city of Monterrey in the Mexican state of Nuevo León. And again, finding themselves needing some money, their grifter cycle started up once more. And the brothers made their way to a small village about a day's walk from Monterrey called Yerba Buena. But what they found when they got there might not have been what they were used to. So no buena? <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost backing off of that terrible joke i uh if you look up this cult you might see that it's called uh the city is called la yerba buena uh or yerba buena both are correct neither are right they're the same thing it's just the way that uh mexican culture names cities is different than the way we do also i'm not sure what yerba buena means but i'm pretty sure it means the good place or the good city or something like that i don't know jake drinks yerba mate tea i don't think that has anything to do with it but... i think it's called the good starbucks i think that's what it translates to it's the only city that had a good starbucks in the 60s it's a pete's <laughs> it's a good starbucks <laughs> So if you look at Yerba Buena on a map, it's easy to see why it was so isolated from the outside world. Because it had the only good Starbucks and they protected the <laughs> Protect the beans. <laughs> it's because it's just so separated from all of the other major cities. And like I said, it's about a day's walk from uh, the, the major city of Monterrey. And the pathway there is not easily accessible by car. So to get out there, you either have to take horses or you have to walk roughly 14, 15 hours straight. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the years of modernization and progress that we talked about earlier had almost completely missed the village. Its population of about 50 people lived in poverty and they grew just enough to fend for themselves and didn't really trade with outside communities. Inbreeding? Um... Not really. I think you get a couple of people coming through, but also probably a little bit. Okay. It's like uh, Rockford, Illinois, you know? You just people pick from, you know, the things that they have there. Rockford, Illinois was once the screw capital of <laughs> the United States. I'll <laughs> have you know. Screw they capital. used to call it Screw City, so I don't want to hear about this. What, at your, like, family reunions? <laughs> No, because during World War II, they made all the screws for all the airplanes. Oh, <laughs> I, I need a Screw City shirt. Yeah. Like, that's great. No one great. calls it that anymore. All the industry left. Because uh, right now, like, Reno, Nevada is Screw City. <laughs> Reno? 
I can't. I'm trying to think of the one. Fucking bro. Not on those weird cigarette smelling sheets. Come in, baby. The sheets is fine. This is a lady's voice. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, this is Viagra. I forgot. Mike was asking. (laughs) You forgot to turn in your paperwork. That's kind of what you sounded like. How are you going to make it up to me, Mike Wazowski? I don't know, Harvey Firestein. How am I going to make it up to you? <laughs> so because of its pure isolation, the people of Yerba Buena were illiterate, largely uneducated, and went without modern conveniences like electricity. Or Starbucks. Or Starbucks. <gasps> yeah. But by the way, like without electricity, this is in 1962. This is the oh same God. year that we sent a man into space. Yeah. And they don't have electricity. They use candles. And they don't really trade with anyone, so they just stay to themselves. So the two con men, not able to like, kind of grift these people out of their fucking money the way that they normally would, they came up with the best scam of their life. Santos and Cayetano convinced the people of Yerba Buena that they were high priests sent by Incan gods. They had come to bless the townspeople with prosperity and hidden treasures that lay buried in the nearby mountains. All the villagers... (laughs) Yeah, cheap Viagra and good dental work. Uh, All the villagers had to do was worship the brothers and help them complete their rituals. Their rituals were fairly simple. In a cave in the nearby treasure-holding mountains, the brothers would bring up a few of the more attractive villagers, drink a bunch of peyote, and then have a bunch of super-hot cave sex. Because of the aforementioned acceptance of gay people by more traditional Mexican societies like this one, even Cayetano was getting wet and wild in the cave. Nice. Also, uh, it's worth mentioning this now, because we're going to get into other kind of mythologies later, Incans are not from Mexico. They are from, like, Peru. Yeah, I was going to say Incans are Peruvian. So these guys came by and they were like, we're Incans? And then these other people who haven't been outside of their village since they were born were like, yeah, sounds good to me. I'm not even sure where we are right now. I know I'm 20 feet away from the cave and 30 feet away from Starbucks. That's all I know about my location. So, and yeah. according to Grinder, <laughs> 10 feet away from you, young man. <laughs> so for months, for months, the villagers followed the brothers and did everything that they asked. It sounds like they wanted to fuck. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> a little bit. If you're falling to it that easily, you were waiting for a reason. Well, they did you know everything that they asked, and most of what they asked was to drink a fuck ton of peyote and, and like, have sex in a cave and like slip another finger in there. Yeah. And while I was researching, I did see a lot of people who were like really critical of the townsfolk, and they said stuff like. Why would they keep doing that stuff for months? What was their like payoff? Like, why would they keep doing it? Uh, it sounds fun. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with peyote, it's like an organic LSD. It's like a whole food sold acid. All right. It is. It's mescaline. That's what's yeah. in peyote. It's inside of the uh, the peyote cacti, and that that hallucinogenic chemical it can open up your mind and make you super accepting of whatever you learn while you're tripping your balls off in a fucking sex cave. Much like the Charles Manson stuff. That we yeah. Did. Yeah. I mean, I feel like asking why they're still doing this is like asking why people go to Coachella. 
Yeah, to do peyote in the desert and have sex in a cave. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. That's the tagline of Coachella. <laughs> yeah, it's like Burning Man. Have you tried peyote? Have you tried cave sex? Come to Burning Man. Yeah, that's it's exactly... When was Manson active, by the way? 69. So... <laughs> 67 to 69. So, yeah. So, this is happening uh, five bit. years earlier than Manson, but just the Mexican version. It's just yeah. peyote in a cave. Just and they're fucking. They're fucking so much. People getting super groovy. They have, But they were, like, still 30 years away from finding out what dune buggies were. I feel like that would have taken uh, them to the next level. Could you imagine could peyote you? buggies? Peyote buggy sex. Oh my god. I know why I'm going to Coachella next year. (laughs) For peyote buggies? For peyote buggies. And secondly, the promise of treasure is so alluring that people will do almost anything to get it. Before this, in the 1800s, some dude was like, there's gold in that them hills. And then people died trying to make it to California. People will do anything for treasure. Yeah, I mean, there's currently a show on the History Channel now about rich guys who have been digging in the same hole for over 10 years because they heard there might be treasure in it. I think the official scientist thing was there's gold in that them hole. <laughs> Even more modern than, uh, than that, though, like a modernization of it, do you know how unlikely it is that anyone will win the lottery? It's like one in 72 billion or something like that. And people buy lottery tickets every single day. Yeah. And could you imagine how many more people would play the lottery if the price of a ticket was eating peyote and (laughs) fucking in a cave? It would be amazing. There would have to How be... How would they choose a winner? It's would... really a win-win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Excuse me, wins. sir, you just won the lottery. I'm so fucking high right now. I... <laughs> They'd also have to open up, like, so much more space in a 7-Eleven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. But eventually, the people of Yerba Buena were tired of tripping and grinding, and they want... <laughs> Ain't nothing but a little trip and grind. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, no, that's R. Kelly and it's bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. It's finally hitting page. He's going oh, to prison. No. He's going to prison. That's going to be good. They were tired of doing whatever the brothers told them. And they were like, hey, dude, where's your fucking treasure? This is the equivalent of like when you're when you have a roommate and you're like, hey, man, are you supposed to do the dishes? And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm just busy right now. I'll do it later. And then four months go by of Peyote and cave fucking, and then he still didn't do the dishes. Sounds like he's on heroin, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so normally at this Should point, get him some coke. He wash yeah, everyone's dishes. All the dishes, bro. You just gotta get that medication balance. So normally at this point, Santos and Cayetano would take this as a cue to get the fuck out of Dodge and leave. But this time. They had it made, baby. And so they decided to double down on their con and show the village that they were the real deal. Oh, The treasure has no. been our family jewels all along. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, like you mean family? And he's like, uh, no, I mean uh, mi huevos. So the Hernandez brothers returned to the nearby major city of Monterrey to find a woman that they befriended during their loot-funded exploits. Magdalena Solis. Magdalena was born in the 1930s as part of the newer, lower-than-lower class that came as a result of the Diaz regime. Her and her family lived in Monterrey her whole life, and that's where she became an underage sex worker just to help them meet ends meet. Hmm. I uh, don't really want to bum you out, but I looked to see if we could find records of when she started, 
And the lowest one that I found was that she became a sex worker at the age of 12. Oh, no, no. honey. Yep. No. Oh, that's not work. Yep, yep, yep. But this was not something that she was ashamed of, by the way. She even well, made her brother, Elazar, her pimp. It's nor- she's it's normalized. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you you start doing it when you're twelve and you have to either control it or be broken by it. So it's like Yeah. Yeah. And there's no non creepy way to say this, but both of them were extremely good at their jobs. Mm. Magdalena had been a sex worker since she was a young girl, and Elazar was a super violent dude, but loved his sister, so made sure that nothing bad happened to her. Because of this, Magdalena had a reputation for being one of the best women in the city as long as you were actually absolutely sure that you had the funds to pay her so at this point she is 30s like late 30 or early 30s but in 1963 when santos returned to monterey he wasn't looking for the usual evening together he had a bigger job with an even bigger payout Magdalena would join Santos and his brother Cayetano in the small city of yerba buena and pose as the aztec goddess Gualique. So now you're kind of seeing like a shift in uh, what they were saying because when they came, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're we're Incan, we're Incan gods." Yeah. Uh, but now they're Aztec because they kind of were like, "Oh shit, that's not we're not from here. That's not what they are." So they tried to save it, and the plan was set. All that was left was to nail the execution. Santos and Cayetano returned to the small village and introduced their followers to their newest high priest, Alazar. Then, the three of them led the whole town to the sex cave for a special ritual. And in the cave, the high priests gave the village the great news. An Aztec goddess had been sent to Earth to prove that the rituals had been working, but they, they weren't quite done yet and needed to be continued. And from deep within the cave, emerging through a smokescreen, Magdalena appeared to the village. because the two brothers apparently part of some of their grifts were like sleight of hand stuff so never trust a magician that is the moral of this story hate magicians dog here's my question Mm -hmm. so they're conning this village but this village is so poor they don't have anything to give them like why do this what's magdalena's like take from yeah like what's she she get out of it so magdalena um is a huge fan of this new thing called marijuana. Ah. And uh, outside of a major city in a rural village, she can smoke absolutely freely without any uh, fear of being arrested for having the outlawed drug. And um, she, if she said that she wanted it, and she did, and they did do this, the entire village, who was a farming village, started growing marijuana. Oh, <laughs> so damn. So she had an endless supply of dope, food, sex, and basically whatever else she wanted because these people were like their slaves. They would do anything that they asked. Well, wow. and she also, you know, you're starting to get to a point where, like, you can't be a sex worker forever. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, so you can, be but it's exhausting. Aztec goddess, bro. And they really thought she was an Aztec goddess because she came through, like like I said, the two brothers, they were like, 
half magicians, which is like, I guess it's not so bad, but it's still two half magicians make one full magician. Anyway, so they're <laughs> one magician, and they cause like a smoke screen, and she popped out of it. I have an actual eyewitness report of one of the villagers who saw her appearing, and said that she came through the smoke and started dancing to the song The Final Countdown, uh, and then she yelled, Mind Freak. <laughs> I was gonna say it was like the final countdown. Final countdown. I was like, that came out in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, it was. They just like when she was done, they just kicked a boombox over. <laughs> I don't like having sex with the magicians because they're always trying to pull cards out of orifices, and I'm not into it. Is this your card? Is this your card? Are you there yet? Is it the Jack of Clubs? <laughs> Will you jack off my club? <laughs> Don't worry, I've got an ace in the hole. Hey, oh. I can totally picture just some magician asshole just being like, you're the queen of my heart. <laughs> just like, <laughs> fucking fully nerd. Fuck, man. Nerd. We made one listener just go, oh, <laughs> that was my best line. I thought Becky liked it. <laughs> Put your stiff batons away. <laughs> oh. So the trick worked, and the citizens of Yerba Buena were once again convinced that if they just stuck to the rituals, their riches would come. And so again, the villagers would follow the high priests and the Aztec goddess up to the cave, take copious amounts of peyote, have tons of weird sex, and now smoke a bunch of marijuana, because that became a part of every ritual. Yerba Buena. Yeah, Yerba Buena. Burn one. Oh, oh shit. Z- ah, oh, four twenty dog. Okay. Four twenty. Trick them. Trick them all. <laughs> um, I I do want you to know that I was in the middle of a meeting earlier, like this week, uh-huh. and was pulling up dates and was like to four twenty, and without thinking, just went blaze it. <laughs> <laughs> just like, and people in the meeting were like, yeah, 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 dude, yeah. This is fucking tight, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. So again, Magdalena and her brother huge potheads so that was the main selling point for them is that they could do whatever they wanted and have a huge stockpile of marijuana more than they could have ever imagined and i'm also i don't have proof so speculation zone but i mean they are making trips to monterey occasionally they don't live in the village they live they live a little bit outside the village in a farmhouse that was built for them so they might be taking this marijuana and taking it down and to Monterey selling and selling it mm. and making money and then coming back and then providing some of that for them. And it might be this weird symbiotic Herbalife type bullshit where it's like you give me everything you own and then I'll give you a little cut of the profits. Hmm. Uh, and a sense of purpose. <laughs> and a really shitty t-shirt. Welcome to Herbalife. There you go. Oh my god, Herb of Life is weed! The herb of life. I mean, only your life. I really like basil. (laughs) (laughs) I tried smoking basil once, dude. It got me super marinara. Oh, that was really good. I'm sorry, B. You know how earlier I was talking about how easy it is to believe what someone is telling you when you're high out of your mind on peyote? Right. Well, that works both ways. Because eventually, Magdalena began to believe... That she was actually an Aztec goddess. The power of suggestion. (laughs) Now, Magdalena became a sex worker at a very young age. Um, Like I said, the youngest that I found was 12. uh, And she's been forced to have sex with men that she didn't want to just so that her family could survive. And now, she's in charge of 
everything. She's in charge of the life of 50 people. And under her rule, the sex and the rituals became more and more abusive and less and less fun for everyone else. In the caves, Magdalena ordered her followers to essentially become sex slaves, using them the way she had been used herself. Mm. So she's perpetuating the cycles of abuse to regain power. I think so. I think that she's never had power like this. I think a ton of peyote will change the way that you think, and everyone's like, yeah, you're a goddess, you're a goddess, you're a literal goddess. Not like, not like now in Los Angeles, we're like, oh my god, slay, goddess. I woke up like this. I mean like 1960s Mexico, where they're like, goddess, you are my god, you are a woman god. Slay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And when two members decided that they couldn't stay in Yerba Buena anymore, even if there was treasure to be found, Magdalena sentenced the two deserters to death. What? And her followers killed them <gasps> on the spot. Oh With snoo snoo? No, not death by snoo snoo. <laughs> okay, okay. Death by throat slit. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry for yeah. making jokes. No, it's okay. Jeez. Dark as fuck. That's when a new ritual began. Human sacrifice. Bitch, oh what? no! What? Yeah. And now we're making our way into the most horrifying cult we've ever had to cover. Possibly, I don't know. We've had a lot of bad ones. I mean, there is Narco Satanicos early on where they had a cauldron of body parts that they were drinking from, but like you know, this might be worse than that. Oh uh, fuck! I think it's bloodier than Narco Satanicos, but I think it's not as traumatic as Ant Hill Kids. Oh, I think Ant Hill Kids was so bad. I think it's Ant Hill Kids is an episode that we literally had to name. This one is rough. Yeah. We put this. We put the trigger warning in the title. That's how rough it was. Yeah. So this one is like probably midway point. Okay. And so before we go any further, I'm gonna take a trip into the speculation zone. <laughs> so it's possible that Magdalena was taking this from Aztec culture, the human sacrifice, because as far as I can find, she was the one who decided that she would be an Aztec goddess because, for some unknown reason, the Hernandez brothers decided to tell everyone that they were initially sent by Incan gods. I cannot stress how fucking stupid of a decision that was for them. But it worked, so it's fine. But Magdalena may have picked an Aztec goddess because she was more familiar with Aztec culture and lore. And if she was, then she probably knew that the Aztecs were huge into human sacrifice. Blood was the food of the gods. And this chick literally thought that she was a god. Ooh. Aztecs used to believe that... Um, that human sacrifice was necessary, but if you were sacrificed, I mean necessary for things like even making the sun come up every day. Like you needed to periodically like, like it was like the universal way of paying your light bill. Like you were like, all right, well this month we use a little bit more energy, so it's going to be two Garys and a Michael, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they believed that in their religion, if you were sacrificed, uh, you had a special and honored place in the afterlife. So in Aztec culture, if you were sacrificed, it wasn't a bad thing. You were happy to go because you were, A, giving to your family the gift of light or water or Wi-Fi. And then also you were getting a special place in heaven because you were their honored guest. Hmm. I I think this weird thing about asset culture too and i think that something people don't think about is like when the human sacrifice was happening the population of aztec cities they were so overpopulated that they were 
getting to a point where they wouldn't be able to produce enough food to feed the mm. cities. Yeah. So, like, there were strong economic and political reasons to start doing human sacrifices. Still dicey, but yeah. yeah. Super sure. dicey. They no, had, for sure. They had so many people that they were running behind on how fast they could make calendars. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they just stopped. They stopped at, like, 2012. Yeah. They didn't keep going. That's all huge oversight. They didn't. Know. They didn't even gra- engrave puppies on every calendar anymore. No, they didn't. No. They yeah, couldn't. that's what people don't. That's what people miss is those drawings are actually puppies. They're yeah, actually very cute little puppies. The oh, sexy fireman is missing an arm. <laughs> yeah, we sacrificed it. <laughs> so after the first sacrifice, anyone who thought of leaving the cult was to be killed. Only now, it wasn't just regular murder, it was a blood sacrifice. Her new victims would be beaten, maimed, and then have their still-beating hearts cut and ripped out of oh their chest. Oh my god! Temple of Doom style! Bitch, yeah. what? Om nam shiva, om In nam 1962? Shiva. Well, 1963, technically, so that makes it In a little bit better, right? In yeah. Like, yeah. if you told me, like, oh, this was happening in, like, 500 BC, I'd be like, damn, oh yeah. shit. F- Star Wars came out 14 years later. Think about that. That's insane. Fuck. Well, this makes, uh, I don't know if this makes it worse, but I wasn't done. Oh, no. Oh, no. Then, the blood of the victim was collected into a special chalice, which I don't know what makes a chalice special. I thought a chalice, by definition, was just, like, your bestest cup, but... It's the one that, like, if you drink from it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make you shrivel up into an old man on the bottom of the temple Uh, while the monk is like, you chose poorly. Sick reference, dude. I thought it was the one that said pimp on it. (laughs) You gotta pick the cup of the carpenter. (laughs) It's just a Starbucks cup. (laughs) I gotta get up early morning every day. No, it'd be a Dunkin' cup. What am I saying? It would be a Dunkin' cup. The working man's Starbucks. (laughs) Gotta go to fucking Duncan. All right. Anyway, the blood was collected into a special chalice, mixed with chicken blood, and then shared with all of the followers. And Magdalena told her flock that the blood would give them powers, youth, and even immortality. And a little bit of backwash. Yeah. I was gonna say that that so many germ issues. Someone's gonna get a fucking disease. Bloodborne pathogens. Yeah, Still so. better than Dunkin' Donuts coffee, though. So that's <laughs> you just made enemies <laughs> <laughs> with Dunkin' and most of Boston. Fine. That's like fine. all of our East Coast listeners are gonna be like, "Hey, pal, is she talking shit about Dunkin'? Hey, guy, don't you talk shit about Dunkin'? <laughs> I'll fuck you up." So. In a little over a year, the Hernandez brothers and Magdalena had turned a village into a group of drug-addicted, blood-drinking murderers. And of course, a lot of these people, arguably all of them, are victims. But some of the villagers were truly devoted to the Aztec goddess and relished in their macabre rituals. In particular, one man named Jesus Rubio... Or I guess it's Jesus. <laughs> I was going to say, ironic. <laughs> uh, ironically, uh, one man named Jesus the Rock Rubio. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to convince the brothers to make him the fourth high priest, but was rejected. And in Jesus's mind, the brothers were stopping him from serving his new god in a higher way. 
because he didn't realize that what they were doing was making themselves high priests so they didn't have to do the dumb shit they just got to do the fun shit but he was like i want to be a high priest because i'm more devoted to magdalena than you are Mm. so at what point did the brothers start to think ah we might have fucked up um probably later on at this point i think that they're fine because they're still they're a little over a year in and they're still getting everything that they wanted they're they're made they have been stealing and robbing and scamming their way across the country just so that they can go to a big city and have sex and have drugs and then do nothing all day but now they've found a direct pathway where they don't even have to do the scamming part they're just in the shit they're just in the chicken blood soaked pussy in a cave i just want theater majors to consider where their acting career could take them if they really have the vision. <laughs> I was going to say, they were just going to hang out into this village until they could get a job on TLC where one of them renovates a house and then the other sells it. Some members desperately wanted to leave, but a bigger group of them were like Jesus, devoted and dangerous. And if you wanted to leave, no matter how hard you wanted to leave, you saw what happened every time somebody tried to leave. They ripped their fucking hearts out dude jesus christ and you don't have a horse and it's 15 hours to get to somewhere like bitch what there's nowhere to go you are literally physically isolated not with a wall or a border ha 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 because it's mexico but uh, uh, uh right, yeah. right right they didn't build that wall they built that emotional terror wall <laughs> oh jeez. Oh yeah which is arguably worse if trump ripped out one heart i feel like everyone would be like all right dude, <laughs> oh my God. chill why is there not a movie about this this is horrifying there is it's indiana jones in the temple of doom yeah or from dusk till dawn this yeah. is some horror oh, shit. shit yes yes suck it on feet uh some of the members wanted to leave most of them were dedicated, like Jesus, and they were willing to do anything for the promised treasure and eternal life and to serve their new goddess. And over the next several months, four different villagers decided to leave, and the members relished in the opportunity to sacrifice them to Magdalena. Oh my Ooh. god, Jeez. how did they catch them? I mean, like... Well, in May of 1963... They stole the Shankara stones, and then Indiana Jones <laughs> followed them to Pankot Palace. And Actually, it's simpler than that. They just got killed by a giant rock boulder thing. It just rolled it just right rolled over. Through it just rolled right and over. And they had to eat monkey brains, even though like that's not a thing. But then they like cut open the snake, and there were tiny snakes inside. Yeah. <laughs> Start the plane! All right. <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> Incans. Why did it, did it have, have to be, be Incans? In May of 1963... Sebastian Guerrero, a 14-year-old boy from a nearby village, was exploring the mountains at dusk. Suddenly, he heard several strange noises. Only they weren't animals. They sounded human, or close to human at the very least. As he got closer to the noises, he saw strange lights and echoes coming from inside of a cave on the side of the mountain. And when he looked inside, he saw the ritual of human sacrifice. (gasps) On the floor lay a dead body. Several live bodies lay near it, covered in blood, having sex. And an evil witch presiding over the whole event was holding a human heart. He watched in horror as the others drank blood 
from a special chalice. Sebastian ran home as fast as he could and went directly to the police. And he told them that in the cave, in the mountains, there lived a cult of vampires. And the boy's story was dismissed as a fabrication of a wild imagination. Bitch, what? No! no. Check that shit out! In order to calm the worried child, an officer, Officer Martinez, returned to the cave to show Sebastian that he had simply imagined the whole thing. The officer and the boy were never seen alive again. Oh my god. And with the two officially missing people registered, the police decided to finally investigate whatever the fuck was happening in the small village of Yerba Buena. When the police reached Yerba Buena, they had no idea what to expect. And what they found first was Magdalena Solis and her brother Elazar high on marijuana and peyote in a farm with an enormous amount of marijuana and peyote. And as the cops began to arrest the two, the rest of the village came to help. Santos Hernandez was shot and killed by officers for resisting arrest. Magdalena and Elazar were taken away, and the remaining followers, along with Cayetano Hernandez, fled to the caves where they engaged in a shootout with the police officers. Most of the followers were killed in their attempt to hold down the cave, and the rest were arrested. Inside the cave, the officers found eight mutilated bodies with their hearts missing, and the body of Cayetano Hernandez. Cayetano had been killed by Jesus Rubio, the wannabe fourth high priest, because he refused him the honor of directly serving Magdalena, even in the end. All of the surviving cult members were sentenced to 30 years for aiding in the murder of the eight discovered victims. Magdalena Solis and her brother Elazar Solis were sentenced to 50 years. Both Hernandez brothers were killed during the arrest. It is speculated that there were more than just eight murders committed by the cult. But without evidence, we won't ever know. And to this day, none of Magdalena's followers will testify against her. No one is willing to take on the woman who turned an entire village into a murder cult. Whoa. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that shit is crazy. What the fuck? That is the most... When I was, like, reading the end of it, I was like, this is a fucking horror story. It's a yeah. ghost. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's just like, this is insane. I tried finding out what the fuck is going on there now. Like, what are they doing in that village? And yeah. I can't find jack shit. Whoa. It's gotta be... If you believe in haunted, it's the hauntedest. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much you guys know. But Mexican culture is hella superstitious. Yeah. So I feel like there's no one that wants to live there. I found one thing in Spanish on a Spanish website that I translated in English that said that the last census that they did sometime in the 90s that there was like 12 people living there. Jeez. But I can't, I don't know if it's true or not because it could have been, there's also a, a Yerba Buena, California Yeah. that's well known for being uh, the Battle of Yerba Buena where America came over and was like give us the land and they were like alright and that was the end of it that was the whole battle cool, 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 cool. but this one, I don't know, the census also said that 100% of the homes had toilets so that was kind of unnecessary information, <laughs> I didn't need to know that I, I do know, need to know that ain't no people there but if you got a shit we got you I kind of want to know what's up with the city more than I want to know what's up with the toilets here's but... the thing, if I'm visiting I want to know I got a toilet, nothing yeah. filled with scorpions so Thank that's you. what I mean is like I think we could visit if we wanted to 
but it would be like an hour and a half drive from the nearest major city, and then we'd have to drive into that major city from like a, a bigger major I city. I don't want to go. Yeah. I no, don't no, want to no go. No desire. It's no. too scary. I'll, I'll spend the night at Skinwalker Ranch before I go there. Yeah. Thank you. Don't do this it. is one of the most terrifying fucking stories that I've ever read. And that's where I was like, at the end, this shit gets fucking book a while. Well, the craziest part about it is, you know. This is what marijuana does to you. This is drugs. <laughs> free for madness. Free for, for madness. At the end of the episode, like at the end of me reading this thing, I was like, should I just be like, April Fools, got you early, you pieces of shit. It was fake. This is from Death Till Dawn. But it's not. It's totally real. For a more in-depth look into the events of today's episode, there actually was a movie made about this very thing. And it came out in the year 2000. Oh. If you want to learn more about it, you want to see what happened, you should check out DreamWorks animated film, The Road to El Dorado. No, wait, no. Yeah, here, let me read you the plot of the movie. I've seen The Road to El Dorado. The Road to El Dorado. Two con men get a hold of a map to the lost city of El Dorado. After reaching the new world, the pair, with the help of a corrupt high priest, convince the locals that they are gods as part of a scheme to win control over the village. Meanwhile, a beautiful local girl helps them in their ruse. It's oh very, my god! It's, I mean, like, when you put it like that, sure, but it's very different in a very different time period. I wasn't really done yet. Uh, hilarious animated romp starring Rosie Perez. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Fuck, dude. I didn't... I really... I truly, horribly did not realize how much this was going to, like... This will haunt your dreams. Yeah. yeah, I have nightmares. Yeah, this is known as the Mexican vampire cult. She is... It's really intense. There's a very good reason why she's called the High Priestess of Blood. You know what's really funny about this is I feel like... You know all those, like, magic reaction... Like, close-up magic reaction videos they show... Where everyone's like, oh shit, that's crazy. That's This is what can go wrong with magic. And this is why I think magic is horrible and we should stop it. One time when I was a kid, I was really into magic. And uh, I, I had... jumped off a ladder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stunts! All right. I, uh, and I went and I tried to get sponsored by Red Bull Energy Drinks for my magic. No, that'd be, that'd be hilarious. No, I was, I was into magic. I really wanted to be a magician. What nobody told me... Okay, everything that I was into as a kid, no one told me that big guys can't do it. I wanted to be a skateboarder. No one told me that if I landed in Ollie, I would shatter my ankles. And I also wanted to be a magician. And nobody told me that you can't do close-up magic when you have the hands of a gorilla. So, <laughs> when, when I was a kid, I went to a magic store... And I bought one of those little cases where you put the card inside. And what you're supposed to do is you put the card inside, you close the case, you flip the case over, and there's like a thin black plastic thing that falls over. It's like a false bottom. And it falls over the card. And when you open the case, it looks like the card is gone. That's how the trick works. Fucking come after me, pen and tell, or whatever the fuck you want to do. But... I was a kid, so I didn't read the instructions. So what I did was I put the card in the case, closed the case, shook it, opened the case, card's still there. I did this over and over and over. And one time, I did it, I closed it, I put it down, and I opened it back up, and I opened it, and the card was gone, and I was like, oh my fucking god, I did it! And I just freaked out, because I didn't understand how magic worked. I thought you were just supposed to close it, because that's what the guy at the store did. He just closed it and opened it, and the card was gone, and I was like, you're a fucking wizard, dude. Maybe Scientology was right about you. Yeah, I think so. 
the longer we do this podcast, the more I'm like, fuck, am I stupid? Am I the <laughs> stupidest human being who's ever existed? Especially after the ladder thing. <laughs> no, that was just, so good. Just jumping off these ladders and being impressed by magic that I did. <laughs> I got fooled by a woman who thought she was a centaur, bro. That's like, true. That's true. Are we the same? Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to be like, are you a centaur? Are you a centaur? Who would I get sponsored by if I was a centaur? The Kentucky Derby? Rockstar Energy. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, 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 Old Spice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit, dude. You'd be a fine centaur. Sorry, I should, should I leave? This is workplace <laughs> harassment. <laughs> I watched too much Fantasia when I was younger. Those what? are some sexy centaurs. I'm, I'm not on board with this. No. I also am not. <laughs> Next, you're going to be like, mm, Mr. Tumnus, and I'm going to be like, oh. I was into Lola Bunny for a while, and that makes me feel weird now, but you're openly admitting that you wanted to fuck Horsecock, and it's making me uncomfortable. Who's no, Lola I think Bunny? I was more turned Lola Bunny the from women. Space Jam. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. For me, from I mean, it was for me. It was more like Prince Eric from really? Little Mermaid. The He's first fucking fine. The first person or thing that ever made me be like, "Oh, hello, women," uh, was <laughs> was Lola Bunny. No, no, no. no okay. Was was Jessica Rabbit? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica yeah, I Rabbit feel that. came on stage and who framed Ro- on stage on screen and who filmed Roger? Who framed Roger Rabbit? To be fair, her first entrance, I believe, is on stage in that movie. Yeah, she comes out singing and everyone's like freaking out. Yeah. About it, you just, had plenty of money in 1922. Yeah, God, mine I was Aladdin, so oh, yeah, I feel you. Aladdin's hot, hell yeah, dude. And if you want to get more of me in your life, why? Why? <laughs> this should be this this whole episode. This is too much of me. You've learned too much. Uh, you've learned that I like magic as a kid. You learned that I jumped off of ladders. You learned that I read a lot about blood. And I uh, learned a lot about Mexico that I felt bad about not knowing. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you like me, you want to come see me do comedy uh, in real life. Uh, the day that this comes out, Monday, uh, May 6th, Andrea and I will be at a show in um, PB, California. Uh, I don't know what PB stands for. Pacific, Pacific Beach. Pacific Beach? Is that it? Is it that Foreign Legion one? No, it's not a VFW or Legion one. It's Those uh, are so much fun in Pacific Beach. I'm doing a show at a, at, a, at a rock and roll memorabilia bar. Fantastic. That was started because this dude owned several thousand dollars worth of rock and roll memorabilia. Okay. And his new wife said, hey, you got to get this rock and roll memorabilia out of the house. And instead of getting a storage facility, he bought a bar and opened a bar. And so that's what he did. We all have our calling. Makes sense. Yeah. He opened a bar. So, yeah, I'll be there. The stuff, the information is on my Instagram and my Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff, M A N D O Does Stuff, or my new website, MondoDoesStuff.com. If you want to send me the craziest thing you've ever done while high on peyote, uh, <laughs> you can send it to all the things at Sundress Comic. Uh, and if you want to look at my art, go to at Andre Gazetta. I'm trying to, I'm posting new stuff on there. You could get a sticker, you know, come hang out. And if you're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, go to VAR Gallery and Hell see yeah, the 30 dude. by 30 by 30 series that Andrea is basically headlining because she's the dopest fucking painter to ever come out of Wisconsin. That's pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I will be battling Doug Fager on the 14th. 
May 14th. So that's yeah. the following Tuesday after this comes out. Yeah, I'll be there for sure. I don't know if Andrea will because she sleeps. Yeah, no, I like you. I'd be sleeping if I wasn't there. Yeah. I'm so tired Paige already. and me will definitely, Paige and I will definitely be there. I'll be there to support Paige. I don't know why I'm putting you, like, <laughs> yeah, she'll probably be there. No, yeah, maybe. Uh, and then, uh, like, a week and a half after, so Memorial Day weekend, I will be in Waco, Texas. Uh, yeah. I am not doing any shows. I'm just there for pleasure. No business. Pleasure? Um, I know some of you asked me to tell you when I was coming to Waco, and I am. I'm just not performing. But if you, like, see me around, feel free to say hi and shit. Yeah. It took you a while to get out to Waco because you were stockpiling vacation time. Girl, I tried to see if we could go to the compound. I was like, Mom, Aaron, let's go. Please, let's go. And then I looked it up, and they're like, yeah, it's not always open, and they're always handing out pro-gun pamphlets. And I was like, oh, no. let's stay away. I'll talk to you <laughs> off mic, but I may be able to get you in if you want to. I don't think I can, I don't think I can talk them into going. Okay, we we should fine. go. Yeah, we should go. If you want to tell me... Uh, no, no more cold reading requests because I've cold read like <laughs> fifteen of you at this point with like a seventy percent accuracy rate. That's some um, hot reading, baby. dude. Damn, it was it was pretty girl. fucking nuts. I, like after I had like three or four in a row that were correct, and then I was just like, "Am I a psychic?" <laughs> and then I got one wrong, and I was like, "Oh, good, okay, cool." Um, but if you want to try and cold read me back. You can do that at Paige Wesley on Twitter, at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Hey, do you like the show? Do you like the talking words that we say into the microphones all the time? So many words. Yeah. yeah. Then you should uh, follow us on uh, social media stuff. Or, if you want, send us the first cartoon that made you go, hmm. Mm. For me, it was Jessica Rabbit. For Andrea, it was the centaurs from that movie thing. No, it was definitely Aladdin. Oh, okay. So it was Aladdin. Prince Eric from Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Prince Eric is... He, he can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, only if it has legs and no voice, though. That's For the first, only time he can get I was going to say, he's really into voiceless bitches. That's weird. He sounds like he'd fit in great at Waco. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, if you want to follow no. us as a show, you can do so on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us like an illustration of the cartoon and your boner related to it, that. you can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. We also had somebody send us in. Uh, their name on Instagram is Inky Newt, I-N-K-Y. Oh, that's right. We have, we have cult applications. WT. We'll oh read the cult God. applications on, yes. a, on a later date. But okay. somebody drew a character, uh, da- Dream Daddy Alternate Universe, where everything is the same except Amanda, Lucian, and Ernest run a podcast exactly like cult podcast. And they drew me saying all the stuff about all the anime I watched. <laughs> okay. Wait, so, see? Yeah. Not fully sure about That's the drawing. That's not you. No, it's not. But read the thing. It's definitely the things I said. <laughs> oh, this must be a like, like her her personal like story anime characters. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So well, yeah. I'll have to check out your stuff. Inky Draw Newt. me as a cat that shoot lasers. Oh my god! <laughs> she has the she has the Kool Aid pin. Oh, oh it's wow! It's so cute. I how love do you it. know you the, did such a good job. How do you know what we were thinking about doing? Damn! Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, you're great, Inky Newt. I love you. Uh, that's a great drawing. It was a really weird thing to wake up to, but a weird thing to look at and just be like, 
that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Every time any any of the only two times that people have drawn things of my words has been me talking about how much anime I do. And then the other thing was me saying, like, did he eat pray love into a full pint of cum or something? So it's all just jizz and anime related, which is indicative of my lifestyle. Anyway, we have a website. It's called podcastshow.com. You can find all of our information there. You can send us emails. You can submit artwork. Um probably you can also send us your cult uh cult school applications and we got some cool news we got some really good ones <laughs> yeah we got some cool news for you guys coming up thank you so much for tuning in and i love you so much one time a girl who was a furry in high school drew me as a cat that is the wow. highest compliment it is oh god Armando read my diaries while we were home. Oh my god, yeah, I read her diaries. <laughs> but you didn't read my vampire novel? <laughs> I read her diaries and I was like, oh my god, I would have been in love with you in high school. <laughs> I was the worst human being. Like, hearing the words out loud, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> she thought that she was super smart, super cool, and so much better than everyone because she never even held another boy's hand. I don't want to get into Only it. horse hooves. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. I think for this one we're gonna say don't drink the blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. please don't. Yo or... quiero Kool-Aid. Ooh. <laughs> don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. 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 And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. <laughs> that, I love it. <laughs> Just pop it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs>